This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Elaine Portner, the author of Medium Memoirs, Messages of Love, Hope, and Reunion. Elaine Portner is a medium, author, entertainer, thought leader, and meditation teacher. She promotes experiential mindfulness publicly or privately to diversified venues. Elaine has been compared to John Edwards and James Van Prague and Long Island Medium with a unique style like none other, the happy medium. Her medium event history includes 10K plus medium messages delivered through private and public events, established 2012, resort locations, New Jersey casinos, Las Vegas 2020, Nemecolon Resort, Farmington, Pennsylvania, Woodlock Lodge, Holly, Pennsylvania, Woodlock Pines, Pennsylvania, Cove Haven, Poconos, 2014 to current. Each location has requested a return visit. Other alternative venues Elaine appears at, corporate events, yacht clubs, Marlene Meyerson New York City Community Center, Jewish Community Centers, Atlantic and Camden County, corporate business associations, restaurants, New Jersey, Florida, Psychic Dinner Facilitator, American Cancer Fundraisers, Roller Skating Rinks, Naples, Florida, Communities Laley, Vineyards, Quarry, The Commons, Yoga and Retreat Centers International, Private Requests. Meet Elaine on ElainePortner.com. Here is the interview with Elaine Portner. In your own words, who is Elaine Portner? Ooh, I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> right, <It's> true. <laughs> um, a spirited, excitable, adventurous, loving being. What is life to you, Elaine? Not what life is about, but what is this experience of being here? So perhaps as a medium, I do have a different perspective um, life to me is ongoing. Yeah. It doesn't end in the confines for what we consciously believe, many of us. Uh, life is eternal to me. So when you ask about life, to me, it's ongoing. Uh, it's not about just one incarnation. It transverses many. So in the life, I do believe that we all have... Um, an opportunity to develop our spiritual and physical DNA and we co-create that reality to who we are going to become but we never know quote unquote when that day ends as a human being 
So I would love to believe that it's a continuous adventure and it's an evolution of beingness. What do you think is the opposite to life? Oh, good one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, to me, you know, just being a spirited individual, as I know you are too, um, you know, there, I mean, no life isn't, isn't even a piece of paper, is it? You know, because I had a life. So um, as a tree, and I believe the trees talk, and that's how a lot of my beginnings happen. But so everything does have an alive nature to it. I used to use the reference of uh, G-O-D, God-like, which the beginning is the generation of something, uh, O for ongoing, and D for um, demise or destruction, but it always continues. So when you're asking about what is the opposite of life, it for for I would say for common answers, it would seem to be the afterlife, but it isn't for me. Uh, I feel as though that the people or the souls that I talk to on a regular basis uh, for my clients or even for myself, um, they're not dead. They're very much alive. And I always make the bad joke that they're way more alive than some of the people that I meet that are living, quote unquote. So the terms of definition um, are, are tricky. But to me, I would probably be an answer of uh, incremental aliveness to all things that are materialized. So it's a spectrum of life force. And as we know, gracefully, when those that are passing, they transition. And in these days, people are transitioning pretty consciously. They know that they are leaving this earth. And it's seemingly so graceful. There are so many that are really understanding um, either the person who is transcending or those that are their loved ones around them physically here on earth, uh, we all begin to realize that this is a transition to another life. Uh, Sometimes for some people, it's a greater life. And for some, it's just the afterlife. But for me, there's so much going on in the afterlife that I, yes, I'm not afraid, but I would easily say to you, I am having such a good time in this life that like, I don't want it to end. You're right. Like I'm not, yes, I'm not fearful of death, but I think I was as a child and that might've propelled me into a lot of this. And I wasn't any kind of child that was morbid or fixated on it. It was just probably, I always think they're very normal. So I feel like I had a lot of feelings that other people had. I just expressed them or explored them to a greater degree than most people do. And it's just propelled itself into this incredible um, life force for myself, my own energy, physical energy, emotional energy, as well as um, understanding what happens next. (laughs) I'm wondering why and when were you interested in mediumship? Is this a gift that's unique to you or all of us could develop? I teach a class now that on Monday nights, which is about meditation and mindfulness and developing your intuition, I fully realized uh, that there are 
well, all of us have intuitive abilities. And I was thinking about this before that you could poke anybody who is of age of speaking, children to, to anyone of any age, our elders, and poke anybody and they will tell you, you're not going to believe this story that happened to me. Something that awoke their consciousness that they think is either a coincidence or it was a spiritual awakening to them. I do believe that each one of us um, has had those experiences. So I uh, experienced this uh, uh, as a child, but I didn't think that anything was different about me. Um, probably until the day when somebody, when I asked a question and then I heard a tree answer my name and I was actually lost in the forest anyway, waiting to find my parents. And I felt like, oh, it's not such a big deal. It's okay if I don't see them or meet them because the tree was talking to me anyway and I felt really safe. And perhaps that makes me think about this idea, which is the truth for me, that kindness and love, again, it's the main purpose why we're here, because everything is alive, everything's connected. Sort of doing harm to anything, it's kind of doing to ourselves. It just makes so much sense, Elaine, that idea. It, it does. You know, I've taken it to extremes, though. Um, oh, I would yeah. say that I am, <laughs> I am an extremist. And, you know, at a very young age, I've always been a vegan. And so I couldn't think about ingesting any harm to any animal. So I always felt like, why would my life be more important than a dog? So it does go to extremes. And I've maintained that lifestyle. The good news is that uh, a lot of our populations are moving in that direction anyway and acknowledging that there doesn't have to be harm uh, to any living thing in order for you to get your nutritional substance. So it's to that extreme. And the other part that was super influential for me was that um, understanding emotional intelligence to a crazy degree, I understood the physical intelligence too and the love of self. So many women do not love their own bodies, whatever they were gifted. And um, so I got super involved coming out of the corporate world into the yoga world and owned yoga studios for many, many, many years, even before it was trending to do yoga, wear yoga pants or the clothes or whatever. And I really um, uh, led many women and some men at that point into the discovery of how to experience self-love through yoga. But because it was something that, you know, you quieted the mind and then you were appreciative of what your body can do. You were adventurous to find out what it could do. And I always said that it wasn't about getting your leg behind your head to find nirvana. It was really just um, curbing the beast of self-criticism to know that you can feel good about yourself when you work through your breath and your body, and then more importantly, your mind, because so many people were coming to the yoga centers, thousands upon thousands of people for over 15 years that came in with the monkey mind, the crazy mind, you know, just what I had to do today, right? And then they left like forgetting their shoes because they felt like they were walking on air after they left. And so it was a process that many people woke up to in my community 
Um, and, you know, across the world, those that are doing yoga and meditation now are finding the tools to find that self-love. I usually ask the question about unconditional self-love. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? And most people say they do, but it's something that is a practice and that's most likely than not something that is uh, achievable in this lifetime. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> so it's really cool because I have the great perspective of, of conversing with the afterlife, which to me is the epitome of the selfless, soulful, loving entity. And um, can I, and they've taught me so much about how to live life. And like I said, they, I'm, people think that, you know, you live life and you get older and you, you understand more things and you gain wisdom. But my truths are that I've learned so much from those souls that people think are dead, how to live. And so, so in answer to your question, I kind of would relate that more to the afterlife. And here's why. Um, being human, I, I love the process and the practice. Even yoga was always called a practice, not a perfection. And so the practicing nature of unconditional love towards the self um, is such a great process. It's like the best perfume you could spray on yourself because it's we're, we are all participating at some level in the evolution of consciousness to know that we can grow this way. Um, we probably didn't have the same challenges multiple years ago. And so some of these are real first world issues that dramatically appear in our minds and our bodies and cause us harm, right? Like your biology is your biography, right? The story that you're telling yourself. And so I think that when I talk with those on the other side, um, it's fascinating because they don't have the body any longer. So they're not talking of the body. And I think when you're human and you're in the body, just like the people who are trying to get answers from me through their relatives, they are asking human emotional questions, right? And a lot of it has to do with approval and love and, you know, the security box number or the will, you know, contesting the will and things like that. And I'm like, wow, it's so interesting to me. There's such a di diversion between the afterlife and this life and that unconditional love. Yet those on the other side have completely mastered it because when people come to me with questions about their life, uh, as a medium that they, those on the other side can never judge. They're non-judgmental. Mm, yeah. They can have playful opinions. Yeah. I can make everybody laugh because mm -hmm. they do. Yeah. And they just make that person laugh because they're like, what are you really asking that question for? Of course, there's all this love and approval and all of those things. You know, we think that there isn't. So Self-love is, is a little bit tough, but I love the processes and the practice of it through meditation because to me, it's life-sustaining. What is your understanding and also idea of spirituality these days, Elaine? Well, it's certainly changed. Uh, you know, I don't know that mine did, but it feels as though um, societies did. And I only say that because I watched the transition from 
you know, opening up yoga centers in the 90s, and you were never even allowed to mention the word God. And now, you know, 20 years later, you certainly can. And beyond that, you know, you have yoga teachers cursing in class, you know, and okay, (laughs) you know, it kind of caught me off guard, but it was the perfect, you know, perfect expression. So we've come a long Mm -hmm. way with that, but perhaps you're asking the the personal question about spirituality. I um, grew up with a religious background, but I always knew we were emerging into, um, well, equanimity of connection because we're all equal going back to one of your first questions is that can we all experience this of course how could we not and the beautiful part about making connections either in meditation or um, contemplation or asking the universe for what it is that you're looking for the law the, the the spiritual laws of attraction we need to make them religious for some people in order for it to fit their guidelines all of that's okay there nobody nobody's right nobody's wrong but we all should exercise that right of knowing and whatever you need to call it um, is completely wonderful. The fact is, is that you're calling it and you're contemplating the universe and God and spirituality. So I applaud any effort in jumping out of your own mind into something more um, giving. Do you still use the word God these days? I actually really never did because I even thought that that was um, you know, I had, I had like 15 to 20 teachers and each one was really different, which was great because those who were needing things were going to gravitate towards the teacher that quote unquote spoke her language, whatever that was. Um, so I do not use that. I probably use the word universe because it's more understandable for most people. And if you need to define it uh, for your own needs by a name or a label, that's perfectly okay. I think that's important to have that capacity or faith to do that. Yeah, I love this idea of trust too. It always goes back to trust. Yeah, you use the word faith. Do you use them the same way? Trust and faith and perhaps hope too? Yes, I think it's a really good point because um, again, when you train your brain or you know, spend time in your mind, you can feel the response of those words. So the words become less significant. And I do believe that's an important place for where we are leading into quantum physics, which is, to me, if we're going to be in these bodies, and we're going to study uh, life on this earth, then to me, what's happening is many of us are experiencing things physically more like the chills for example so when somebody's telling you a story and you want to reach out to them and say i understand i completely understand you just transmitted this energy and this is my response to it which is why your little antennas your hairs stand up because that's a that's a physical response and i think that we're all evolving into greater physical responses to the spirituality or the answers or the signs 
or the gestures that are coming to us. If you believe it and have faith, then you'll probably penetrate the body in some way because it's a more significant reminder. Uh, is that making sense? Do you understand what I mean by that? So your book is Medium Memoirs, Messages of Love, Hope and Reunion. So I read something, yeah, this, you said, dreams are often messages from the spirit with capital S. Yeah, for a moment, talk to me about these words. I know they're just words, but we use them a lot. The spirit, capital S, and we also say so. Are they somehow separate? Spirit, soul, and also consciousness. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, lots of words, but I'm not sure if they, we use them all the time, but it kind of confuses me sometimes. Yeah. So, well, you're asking just me, so I'll answer yeah, yeah. my way. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> to any kind of spirit, because spirits <laughs> might answer it a little bit differently. And what's interesting is, as a medium, they might answer it in a way that you know it's them, right? So they might have a lot of character to it, laughter to it, sincerity, you know, whatever it is. But if you're asking Elaine, the differences between that, um, spirit is everywhere. You know, we don't, we don't confine spirit. That's the beauty of it. It's limitless. It's endless. It's in ad infinitum. It's, um, it's not capturable. And I don't even know if capturable is a word. So that's, that, that's what I love about spirit. Like I don't know until I know. So even though I say to people when I'm delivering messages, I'm already right. So you don't have to say no to me, you know, because I've delivered probably over 12,000 medium messages, I just say to them, I'm already right. So if you don't understand it in this moment, doesn't mean that it's not happening in another. So as obnoxious as that is, that I'm always right, is that the thing that's wonderful about playing with spirit is that you don't know until you do, right? So that to me is spirit. So consciousness is probably the connection of that information because if spirit is everywhere and then we're conscious of something more like another layer to spirit, then that's when we are thinking about it, contemplating it, it's in our consciousness. Otherwise it's already there, right? So you're capturing spirit somehow. A soul to me is the, the, the being nature of an entity whether that is living or quote unquote non-living, it's the soul matter somehow to do with, you know, the Akashic records, your life force, your life script, your spiritual DNA. This is the soulful aspect of that being at this time. So there are different. I have heard something similar before, and I really like the way you explained that the spirit is everywhere. Sometimes we are conscious of it, and sometimes we are not. Yes. In the soul, it relates to the history. And I'm wondering the history of what? Of the spirit? Of that particular uh, idea of identity? Would that be? Right. Well, to me, um, I'd like to believe that this is quite a universe. Yeah. And it's not just... A life. And so to me, the soul has the capability of migrating uh, to different places at different times. Not and some some people believe like during this one lifetime, but to me, it's like the soulful recording and the record and history and herstory 
of and and whether it's male female none of that ever matters it's an it's androgynous of the lives that are possible because um it's like a rolling stone right it gathers consciousness if you will to even make itself a body in this incarnation and the dynamics that can happen in the growth of the spirit in this incarnation at that time so i think there's a a, a larger Gaia grid that makes all things possible. Can I contain it in my mind as consciousness? No. But all the only thing that I can do, which really surprised me, is because I'm going to go back to the origins of what my language is all about. Yeah. Um, if that's okay. Is yeah, that okay? <laughs> absolutely. Yes, Elaine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just because I can kind of answer it in a way that it's more understandable and empowering for each one of us who may be listening, because if it happened to me, it can happen to anyone. And I'm not necessarily talking about the medium work, but the intuition and the um, availability of asking questions. I'm a very strong believer of asking the universe questions and asking for what it is that you want. If you don't ask, you'll never know. And what I found is like, especially a lot of women probably wouldn't ask because they think, oh, I'll only ask what I really, really, really need to. You know, we preserve ourselves yeah. to say, oh, I, you know, I don't really need to ask. Maybe it's not polite to ask. And it's like, no, you need to be very demanding <laughs> of the universe because <laughs> you can be. And you don't yeah. know unless you try and it's not a risk because nobody knows. So yeah. you might as well try, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> so, so what happened is, is that in the beginning, yes, the tree answered me, you know, yeah. um, in the forest. But what continued to happen is the psychic ability. And I started to use it in the corporate world, which is very interesting because I had a sales uh, position. And I always understood that I was getting dreams with, like you said before, messages through my dream state about other people. And I never really understood why that was happening to me. I really wasn't asking those questions, but maybe unconsciously I was like, oh, this is my coworker. Who are they? How are they? How's their life? Seemingly how we would operate, quote unquote, in an office anyway, when we were working in offices, now we're not, right? So my, <laughs> so my point is, is that I found it fascinating that I would ask a question and I would always get an answer. So I really started to play with that for a long time. And then I get really strong answers. And then the next question, opening up yoga centers, and then I had a horrific dream on 9-9. And, right, and the dream was 9-11, uh, but I don't know that. And it was just a nightmare, and I used to offer dream interpretation workshops. So that having a nightmare was really um, uncommon for me. And the nightmare was that plane going through two towers. And I woke up, to, you know, pretty freaked out from a nightmare. And then I told a friend that I was uh, actually playing tennis with the next day. And I thought, wow, I had this really dream, bad dream. And most of your friends don't really want to hear your dreams, you know, but I thought this one really rocked me. I just need to tell somebody about it. So two days later, uh, the yoga center opened and 9-11 happened at the same time. And it was so peculiar to me. So we all just became first responders. I lived close to New York and there were many people that were just not knowing what to do. So we chose to meditate and send energy to all these first responders and healthcare workers and all of these people in the cities that were trying to help everyone and, you know, create, um, find survivors. So my point was, is that really you started to work these meditation groups because people didn't know what to do with their energy. 
But I also had to rewind and go back and ask what question was I asking that I got such a profound answer because I really didn't want that answer. It was horrible. I felt freakish to think that, yes, to your point, you can get messages through dreams. So the question that I was asking is I went in, was enamored by the fact that I can ask questions and I can get answers. I thought it was really cool. And I was always playing with spirit, getting those answers. Sometimes it's guidance. Sometimes it was about business. Sometimes it was just about a lot of things. And the question that I asked is how much could you know? And I never want to know that ever again. I don't want to work for espionage or forensic psychic sense. That's not me. It's not my style. And I found out pretty big time on 9-9, how much can you know? So the telepathic distance is, is not even something that I could measure. But I needed to take a look at that because I have the chills now telling you the story. I mean, this is, that was what happened to me, which propelled me into, wow, this is powerful intuition. I don't really want that much power. But how can I serve my community better with this power. And then that's what happened because I had meditation groups and then I always was explaining to people who was around them, their loved ones. And they had all these beautiful messages of love, unconditional love. And how can I help you? You know, you need to fix the shower before there's a leak and, you know, crazy specific things, but also wondrous and loving uh, reunions for people. And that made me feel normal because I had a family myself and I just felt like I wanted to bring people back together again because so many people are separated. The question that comes to mind now is this year, 2020, we have been through a lot of challenges and chains. Do you have any vision, let's say a clear vision for a better reality? Yeah. Yes, yes, because I, we, it's, it's all of our responsibility to have that, right? So that's, that's really the most simplest answer, because if we are a naysayer and we are stinking thinking, then how are we participating in a universal notion, in a, um, even in politics or our, or our responsibility to our families? You have to be leading um, as a thought leader or just as a person with optimism and hope because if we have the possibility to co-create in our next reality which could be tomorrow our country the government like all of that and it's not of a high frequency and tremendous hope and faith then who wants that you can't you can't be that person so yes and i we cannot let the virus get us down even though it has separated a lot of us we don't uh, have the ability to see our children as much or our families as much. And the odd thing is, is that sometimes we're seeing our children more because they're coming back to live with us, you know? So that's all really interesting and fascinating. And I also know that it's made people make tremendous changes in their lives because they didn't have the fear. No, like this is the perfect time to pick up and move or go back to school or uh, lots of things. And um, I love that, you know, I don't know what the percentages are, but those that can respond in positive ways are doing that. So the answer to your question is absolutely. It's, it's concrete that I know we are moving in a great direction because we had to wrap our heads and accept everything that happened. And until you did that, you were in doubt, you were resistant, and you were negative. 
And then when we surrender to it, to know mm. that let's look for the silver lining in all this, I'd like to believe that we will be more understanding and to your word, kind to each other. So would you say that these events, 9-11 and 2020, everything that has been happening, they all have a purpose to change us and move us into a new reality, a more loving and kind reality? Yes, this one particularly, I feel as though uh, those that are sentient beings, which is actually all of us, just some are better at protecting it than others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. right, you know, <laughs> the true. layer, the thick layers. But what's so yeah. fascinating uh, to me is that we, as many people, forgot how much they enjoy the connections between themselves, family, and other people. Like just touching other people or seeing people's smiles in the streets. You can't see that anymore, you know, because of the masks. And so. It separated us a lot, but we all got really simple in our worlds. And I love that. That was a really powerful process for many of us, even though some of us may have, you know, lost businesses, found businesses, created business, you know, like all things change for everybody. But you had to use that time very effectively in soul searching. Um, I use the word unencumbered a lot when as a synonym. Um, so unencumbered and freedom means to not be uh, influenced in any way um, other than what you experience intuitively. So, yeah, and I think that gets hard because hopefully we all have people around us that love us and we love them and we want the very best for them. But freedom is, is the ability to hear um, guidance. And that goes back to trust. Yeah. Listening to the voice of our own intuition and trusting them. Would you say it takes practice because the voice of intuition, it's very subtle from my perspective, my experience. So it doesn't really shout, it's not loud, not loud enough. That's a good question and a good point because, um, so with call and response, right? <laughs> um, yeah, with call and response, um, which is a game a lot of us play, um, even if it's a parking lot and saying, you know, today's the day I'm gonna get the first parking lot, which is kind of crazy because you should just be walking more, but, um, you know, like you, we play those games kind of all day long. And I, and I re meet a lot of people who sincerely um, want to get back in touch. You know, of course, the, 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 the saddest aspect of what I do is that when there's parents that lost a child and they want to hear that guidance, they want to hear that child. And sometimes it's the same message. Sometimes it's the guidance from the child. Right. So um, when you say it's subtle, I, I agree, but you can develop it to be stronger because um, whenever it's subtle or it's really loud, you do exactly what they tell you to do. Even if it's like that parking space, go right, go left, you know, you kind of just can ask in every moment because our consciousness doesn't always stay there. That's the point. Um, so when we're reminded by we see 11, 11 on the clock or numerology or numbers or signs, they start showing up. 
right in that moment of that aha awareness is a really perfect time to ask for another sign, ask your questions, you know, use pendulums if you feel as though you don't trust yourself yet. Um, there's lots of ways and means. So for you, it might be subtle, but for some other people, it's really intensely strong or consistent. And it doesn't mean that it's more or better or less uh, is, is more or uh, any of those comparative natures. It's more important to understand your language. And it should be a language of love. To me, that is the biggest sign. Every time whatever comes, the intuition is speaking, it's always leads to love or something loving. It's never negative. It's never something that will not help myself and the other. It's something that can help me and everyone. Right. So that's how right. I know. That's important because what happens is we have to realize that our mind defaults to that which is out of order all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you were, you know, thinking, you know, oh, I have to worry hmm. about this or I have to worry about that, if you have those worries and all of a sudden you get loving guidance and you're just going to realize, oh my God, why was I even thinking that? But we think we have to protect ourselves from fear or harm coming our way and it's not coming. You know, why, why would you even think about it? And thinking about it can make it so because of the laws of attraction. So why would we even take our minds there? So when you can tra transition that into love, it, it, you should kind of get that epiphany feeling, that downloaded sensation of like, oh my God, it's such a such pleasurable thoughts for my brain that your body responds to it. So I, um, I'm pretty expressive, right? I talk a lot. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's great. <laughs> right? So um, I, I guess it was just a calling to share. So the writing was really, really easy for me. I just, mm -hmm wanted to authenticate what it was that I was experiencing through a book because I thought to myself, well, how am I going to explain this to people who aren't involved in meditation or into yoga? And um, that was really important to me because it wasn't everyone. And even though everyone was experiencing some level of connection or desirous of that, and um, even if it was somebody who hadn't lost anybody, like, you know, I work with uh, people of all ages and they say, can I get connections and messages if I didn't lose anybody on the other side? I was like, of course you can, you know, you're just as active as somebody else. And so, um, writing was really easy for me. So, so I was very, um, skeptical myself about sitting in front of parents who lost a child and, um, I didn't think that I had the capacity to do that because I had children of my own. So these parents came to me um, and they had unfortunately had that experience. And I just thought, well, maybe I need to learn and grow. And we had an amazing, amazing sessions. And I worked with some families over time and I worked with this one family. And then when it came time to write the book, he was the perfect soul to help me write the book. He was a brilliant child. And for some reason, his name just kept coming up. Yeah. And I asked him, you know, would you help me write the book? Because he was definitely smarter than I was. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, he's going to help me. That's how I can write the book. Ask mm -hmm. for the help, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't dawn on me right away. But <laughs> right? We all forget to mm -hmm. ask for help. Yeah, so right, right. I asked for so help. True. I got his help. And <laughs> it was the easiest thing to write. It was just one, two, three, it just happened, just happened. And 
um, got it done very easily. I do feel um, very responsible for writing more books because of the advanced information that is coming out from a lot of deliberate messages. Um, yet I'm not spending the time doing that. And I don't, I actually don't know that. I should probably ask that question. Why am I stalling? Um, yeah, but I just resubmitted it. And so there's a new forward in the book. Uh, it's on Amazon that has another powerful story because right when I was done writing that book, I thought, well, maybe there's nothing more to write about. And then the very next session that I had with a group of people almost blew me away. And um, that is now the forward of the new submitted book. And so I hope that there will be one in the near future. It, it could be very easy as long as I ask for help. And I thought, well, it's the epitome of a ghostwriter, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah. How interesting. Yeah. I asked this before to somebody that I interviewed about he was a medium too and also a psychic. So I was surprised to see these two words together because he mentioned I am a medium and a psychic. So what is the difference between being a medium, a psychic, also an intuitive? Okay, well, you compound them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put all them to, you know, by the group together. <laughs> I thought it was one, but then you'd add two, and then you'd go three. Right. <laughs> okay, so I would say that, you know, like you, you know, there are some words that I get caught up in, because to me, when I first started doing this, the word psychic did not enter my labeling, because yeah. I thought that, those that wanted a psychic would go to a psychic, which is kind of interesting because I used to do astrology and I used to do people's charts for them. And I stopped doing that because everybody wanted to predict the future. And when I saw something that wasn't going to happen for them, I actually felt really bad and didn't want to be the person to deliver that news. So what I melded this into my messaging as a medium, which to me is the deliberate intention of receiving messages either from spirit, your spirit council, your loved ones, whatever they want to talk about. And they talk about everything. There's medical things that are coming in now into the readings. There's, um, you know, just crazy things about what they want you to do so that you know that you heard them, even if it's planting yellow flowers outside your door so they can see them. So there's all of these specific messaging, but that is the medium, just being the medium, the mediary channel for your loved ones and your universal guidance. So what happened with, with the psychic word is that I started to realize that people that are seeing a medium, they want to know what's happening in their world anyway. So then I had to ask the question, can the people on the other side, your loved ones, tell you what's going to happen? And they can. And I started doing it without calling myself a psychic because I didn't want that to be the, I didn't want people to become so contrived is, you know, am I going to meet someone? Is my career going well? And am I healthy? Like the same consistent questions when there actually is a lot of congestion in those questions, emotional intelligence that you need to surpass so you can awaken to your own consciousness so you can heal yourself and get to the places that you want to get to on your own. So that's kind of the information that comes. So the psychic ability is, is all over, you know, it comes up and, it, and, and, um, and sometimes it doesn't because the other methodology for that person to go through is more significant than answering the question that they want. 
you know? Yeah. Do you understand that? That was really tricky. Do you understand that? Yeah, I like that, though. Yeah, that's very compassionate of you, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not just a yes or no or whatever. It's like, why why are you doubting yourself from having Mm -hmm. those incredible experiences? That's what we have to work through first, the emotional body, so you can draw the energy better than I can. So I don't want to get in the way of your learning process. So I'll tell you how to do it, but you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can't pay somebody to do that for you True. Um, because it's more empowering. And then what I realize is that the psychics do, um, if they're just psychics, perhaps, is that they infuse you with hope and then you have it. And then it's then because you have it and you expect it now, then then the experience happens for you. So um, I guess I say that I'm, that I'm all things, you know? So what was the third, the third one? It was psychic, medium, and intuitive. Intuitive, right. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly it because the intuition in my world in order to serve somebody else better is for them to tap into their own consciousness and make those things happen. Now, they'll always drop hints. You'll have the parents who will tell their children, you know, it's going to be a G name, you know, and you'll you'll know when you see them. And I think there was one crazy story about the person was going to mention cucumbers, like when you first met them. And the woman came back to me and she's like, oh, my God, like that happened. And she was, you know, in love and, you know, like crazy, crazy things. But sometimes it has to be that specific for that sitter to believe in the power of intuition, but more theirs than mine. I wonder if it is possible to um, use intuition or use channeling to actually do quite the opposite, Um, negative things, try to get in the way of human beings. Is that possible, Elaine? You know, that's a really good question. And the thing is, is I stay so far away from any of that energy. I call myself yeah. the happy medium because <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been through much, a lot in my life. And, you know, many of us have been, but it right. determines like, I'm not a victim of it. I'm valor from it. So I always try and work that way. But the reason why I say that is because um, I always say to people before I work with them, you know, I'm a happy medium. So I don't have any bad news. So please don't look for it. <laughs> that's great right and then yeah, i say I it's a that. public service announcement <laughs> why are we looking for the bad news so to your further question i would imagine that there is probably people out there because i have heard that that use the empowerment i guess in negative ways to come but like it's sabotage so why i i stay so far away from that and if they say well what their next question to me is well well do you see it and not say it that's what they say. Mm, yes, and then right, I, right, right. right? <laughs> and then I say, well, it's too long of an explanation. It's not that I see bad news like you would think as death as bad news, even though it's sad news. Um, you know, there are indicators that can provide that information, but you probably know that already anyway. And what good would the extra information do for you that you wouldn't do right now? So why do we really need to know all that? Yeah, I love um, where you come from. Yeah, the heart, the love centered and knowing the purpose of life. So that's wonderful. Thank you for that now, because I don't think I did before. Well, thank you for, um, you know, like I said, I've listened to your podcast and they are all 
all uplifting of the power of our individual spirit. And we have to wake up to that, you know, and uh, many of us are, and we have to refine our processes. And I can say very easily that through um, this, this COVID virus that it hampered a lot of our overall spirit. So where we're learning how to dig out from under, if you will, you know, taking more risks maybe. And I don't mean risks like health risks. I mean, risks in your life, maybe changing careers or even if it's risky to move back in with parents or something like that. Like <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe you should, you know, to get out of debt or something. I don't know what each person's situation is, but um, look at it as a positive and moving you into places where you should exactly be because each one of us says, well, then what is my purpose and, and how do I operate? And um, it is just calibrating our emotional beingness because you shouldn't be so uh, depressed about this. It should be impressionable to move you in directions and places where you should be, even if it's exactly where you are, but just having a different perspective that you need to be grateful for where you are. I have a few more questions for you, Elaine, but before I ask them, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, well, that was, um, yeah, I had this little, I wrote, I wrote on channel, I wrote channel one, which is really chapter one. Um, and I wrote this little passage way about transformations and I probably would love to share this part of the book or the message. And it reads like this. Those that you love are always with you, even when you can't see them. The boundary between these two worlds we call heaven and earth, it isn't fixed. It's flexible. Our senses don't always allow us to perceive the spiritual realm but that doesn't mean that those who reside there don't touch our lives and penetrate our perceptive barriers. Sometimes they're content to allow us to feel their presence in a gust of wind that ruffles our hair or in the way their favorite songs, images, or symbols quite literally jump out at us. At other times, they come to us with more specific messages which can help us move through difficult times with lighter hearts. And this is where I come in. So I can help people get there and have really inspired so many businesses and so many people to listen and feel valuable enough. Uh, again, it goes back to that self-love to who should you not be, right? Like you have to go for it. And what are we really afraid of? And the beauty is, is that we can ask for that help. And I can assure you that when we're in our own vortex, in our own pathway, that we will see the signs of confirmation and validation that we're doing exactly what we should be doing. Again, Valerie, even if it's sitting still and being entirely grateful, like you, you could be sitting in your own house and saying, you know, well, I just... Um, my, my own house and I'm so happy to have my house. And like they, people are saying they've enjoyed their house so much. They never stayed in it long enough. And so that's a huge blessing. But when we turn it around and create 
the blessings of gratitude in our lives instead of looking at what we don't have or what we need to do or those types of things. Um, that's when we kind of get into trouble. But my further point is that the transformation of just being an unconscious individual and um, a conscious individual is one that when we change our way of thinking, whether it's our perspective or taking risks or feeling valuable enough to ask for help or ask for something or go after something and be relentless to uh, achieve whatever it is that we want to, you know, whether it's from making a meal to gardening to career success or whatever that is, or artistry, that um, you will get a response. You will get a validation from your loved one, your God, your guru, uh, whoever it is that you pray to. But make those connections because they can be, here's a bigger point, incredibly supportive because sometimes and this is sometimes when we're looking for the support from another human being that we're in relationship with, it's harder. Mm. You know, I always joke and tell people, just ask <laughs> yeah. your dog, like just ask your dog, you know, your dog will respond because right? dog, right. Or your cats and your animals, but it's really hard to get that from another hmm. person sometimes. Yeah, so that's true. why we need to do it for ourselves because that's nobody true. else has that power to manifest than you do for whatever it is you're asking. So a few more questions for you. I'll ask this one. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Mm. Yeah, well, it's not in financial or corporate terms. To me, it's about serving communities. And so success is when you feel as though you're, um, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of the image that came to me, which oof, I don't know if that's fair. Um, exhausted at giving, <laughs> right? You know, and that's not how other people would term it, but like when you collect your creativity and your physicality and you're able to serve others at a great capacity, to me, that is success because this world is not all about you. Yes, another billion times. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? I mean, yes, you, can, you can relate to that, right? That yes. Sounds, yeah. yeah. Like I do a lot of work and I believe I'm being guided to do. Uh, it feels um, tiresome sometimes, but it's at the same time, it's like when I ask the question, what else would I rather do than this? I'm tired, but I would do this over and over and over again and get tired right. over and over again. Right. right. But it's playful. And the good news about what it is that you do is that even just thinking about other things, that's the creative mind. So that's good that you challenge yourself and question that because you don't want to be ignorant to the playability of your mind and the creativity. So like sometimes that's just a daydream and it's a good dream. Like you should have that, right? And so that that's that's good news about you. But I'm gonna say something so to you, like I had said that um when you first connected to me, I thought, well, let me listen to the podcast. And just like you're saying to me, Valeria, about reminding you and then you know, the, the cranium kind of tickles a little bit because it's a remind. It's telling your mind again, something that sounds different, right? But it's not different. You've heard it before, but lately your mind might not have been there. So that's why it's refreshing, right? To refresh your computer, refresh our mind, same thing. Oh. But 
it's also really pleasurable mm-hmm. for us to tell each other when we are in reception of uh, reminding each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my work too, but like, yeah. no, like hearing myself, hearing you, hearing your podcast, they were all great reminders. So it is incredibly purposeful for what it is that you're doing. Perhaps you don't know how many people you reach or uh, the impressions that you might be making on your um, creativity, your platform and uh, inspired me. So thanks, you know, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. It's great work. Thank you for the encouragement. Yeah, this is something that I always try to detach actually not try it's something that i'm not good at it (laughs) trying to keep track of who am i reaching i do for business purposes and all but basic but it's something that i'm not interested in to know if what i'm doing is affecting other people in a positive way and i want to know exactly what's happening this for some reason i'm not interested because you have faith yeah yeah i do trust right the universe as you call it (laughs) and some call it god but yeah i trust that so two more questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Um, the, I can really answer that definitively no. Um, because, well, well, there's one thing that just popped into my head, but I say that because what, what those on the other side have taught me is to live every day as if it's your last anyway. So I'm the kind of person I get crazy number of activities done in a day um, to, to probably maybe to an obsession or something, you know, like even physically, you know, I'm a, I'm a runner, I play tennis, I meditate, I do classes, um, you know, I have my Peloton that I'm in love with now, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, and I could say I love unconditionally, you know, even though it's putting me under great conditions. Um, the thing is, is that, I always, those that I love, want them to know how much I love them. And it probably is pretty annoying as a mom uh, because I just want to make sure that I experience, um, you know, my children and energy every day, but we don't live near each other. So it's kind of hard to do that. So I don't know if I would do anything different other than probably trying to be more uh, subtle about my enthusiasm for life with my children because they don't have that mindset like this is their last day at all you know so it becomes a little bit more dramatic on my end so I probably have to tone it down is probably what they would tell me to do and I will do but um yeah I mean to me that was the greatest thing in life was having children so um I would say that I don't have certainly don't have any regrets and as far as I move into the future I just want the best for this world so I try and participate in, in it um, in a, in a great way, you know, um, not, not leaving footprints, um, you know, keeping my diet incredibly healthy and clean and my mind healthy and clean. That's kind of how I feel like I'm living this life. So I don't create any, um, unnecessary pollution through words or actions. So one more question. What are three things about life, you know, for sure, as of now? that I am here, I'm breathing. And that means to me that there must be more purpose. Um, Because if you're here, then I feel like you have to serve somehow, you know, I'm I'm probably big on that. So I would say, if you're here, you should be serving at some level. 
Yeah. It could be just to a family member or something right. or communities or something like that. So yes. Right. So that's one of the first things. What else do I know? Um, it's worth living fully. And uh, to be conscious, be kind and cooperative. You make me breathe deeper <laughs> with your messages. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. <laughs> and perhaps, Valeria, you know, the ability for us to connect like that is, is that if you can breathe deeper just on the energy that you're experiencing, because I'm experiencing yours too, isn't that what we can do for each other, right. you know? Yeah. If we could do only that, that's enough, right? Like you said, it could be really simple. It doesn't have to be anything grandiose, right? <laughs> exactly. So my final question is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Great. So the best connector is my website. I'm going to spell it out. A-L-A-I-N-E-P-O-R-T-N-E-R.com. On that website, you'll find uh, the ability to purchase a reading, send a reading to someone as a gift. Uh, you would be able to buy the book. The book is on Amazon as well. You will be able to see events. And most of my business right now is online because the events, uh, larger events are postponed until we can gather again. So most are um, connecting through groups, medium messages. I can work with families online, which is a beautiful process. Uh, they have family reunions and because they can't be together, they can still be together during the Skype session or the session on Zoom. So that's been really playful and opportunistic, if you will, because we're bringing people together and with those that they've lost. And it's like a holiday for a lot of people who aren't even gathering for the holidays. So um, everything can be received through uh, my website. And if there's requests for messages, we will um, be able to schedule that in, in due time. So everybody just has to be patient. But we do eventually get to everybody. Thank you so much again, Elaine, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. You can find me on Instagram as well under my, under my name. Keep doing what you're doing, sweetheart. It's Thank incredible. You. It's incredible. Bye for now. Elaine. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Elaine Portner and her work, please visit elaineportner.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.